Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax. And think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. So hey everybody, welcome to episode 303 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And we also have Mark Rubin on the line in San Jose, California, former home of WWDC. Still the home. (laughs) Unofficial home. Well, it's not going anywhere this year. (laughs) (laughs) Continue this reign as champion for an additional year. Well, it's it's like the the Raptors, right? I just want to point out the Raptors are still the world champion of basketball, right? So I guess I guess the yeah, San Jose still yeah. the San Jose still the the home of WWDC. It's right next to Cupertino, so that makes perfect sense, right? All righty, um, yeah. So right, we'll start off with some fact checks. So I was CNET. Uh, yes, I was talking about a, a video. I think we, last week I talked about um, we were talking about what was it was subject about uh, um, the cops doing the virtual um, what do we call it? What was the name of the show? Uh, the the warrants, right? The cellular warrants, whatever they call that, like a geofence warrant. Geofence warrants. Yeah. Thank, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, so that was a, came from a CNET uh, article, and I, so I watched the video that was on that same page, and they were talking about a number of things. Were, of course, they were giving advice to people who were going out to, if you're going to go out and join the, the protests and stuff like that, and how to protect yourself and, you know, your devices. I mean, the bottom line is, they said, if you're if you're going to go off and do one of these things and you really don't want to be caught in a, in a surveillance net or whatever, don't take your phone, right? That's the basic thing, right? Um, apparently, the cops or the law enforcement, I'm going to say, are doing are using a, a, a software called Stingray, which mimics cell towers, and that's how they're able to collect uh, device IDs, IMEI numbers, uh, as as you walk through a rain, an area. That's how they're able to find out where you are. Um, one of the things they advise in this video too, which is kind of interesting, I hadn't thought about this, is is turning off Face ID and turning off Touch ID because um, there are some rules where they can force you to use Touch ID or Face ID to and you know biometrics to open your phone, but for instance, but they can't apparently do that if you have a password on your. 
phone, like a pass, like a lock or whatever. And this has to do sort of with the, uh, apparently you have a, a, an unreasonable search and seizure law in the United States. It varies from state to state, but yeah, apparently that's part of that. Well, to, I don't know what this was specifically covering, but there is the Fourth Amendment, the U.S. Constitution, which protects you against unreasonable search and seizure. That's that's part of it. And I, I think the case law that's being made around uh, face ID and touch ID versus passcode or passwords is that making you divulge a password or passcode is knowledge that you have inside your mind and, and goes against a different amendment, the Fifth Amendment to the Constitution. Right. You have a right in the United States to not testify against yourself, and that would be uh, testifying. What's less clear is, well, is your face or your fingerprint, are those more like something you know, uh, like for Fifth Amendment reasons, or are those more like something you might have? Like, it's reasonable for them to say, hey, you have those keys in your pocket. We need to see those and see if they open up this right, particular right, thing. Yeah. And I'm not a lawyer, but it, it certainly seems like as laws are written for the U.S. perspective, it, it probably is safer to use from a legal perspective. It is to use passwords and passcodes than it is face ID and touch ID if you're going to be doing this sort of thing. Yeah. And if, you know, if the cop happens to have your phone because he's, you know, taking it out of your pocket and just happens to face it towards you in front of your face and it happens to open and he happens to look at it. Well, what does that mean? Yeah. 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 I mean, like the face is sort of something in public domain, I suppose, right? Like, because, you know, it's out there and I can see it. You can see it. I can recognize you by face and therefore, theoretically, I can do that same thing. It's, it's, again, it's a muddy, muddy area. And of Mm -hmm. course, it varies from state to state. We're not suggesting or condoning any of this stuff. We're just putting it out there for information purposes only, right? Um, But carrying on, like the other side of the, the, the thing is if something was to happen to you, another thing that a lot of people don't know is that you can actually, so if you have the health app on your phone, you can actually go in and put emergency contacts in there. Suppose something happens and you become subdued or whatever, um, through whatever type of, you know, unfortunate events, right? Um, you can have your uh, contact ID, your emergency contact ID show up on your lock screen. So that's, and that's one of the options that's inside the health app. Just when you go to put a, a um, uh, emergency contact, you can actually check a box to say, show it on the, on the home screen as well. Um, and on Android, there's uh, somewhere in the about phone area, there's a place to do that as well, right? Um, of course, you know, if you're going to take your phone into these kind of places and you're going to be, you know, subject to who knows what kind of environmental forces, back up your device, obviously, before you go. Um, and be aware that, um, you know, if you're, do- and if you're taking pictures at these kind of events, you you know, people may not want you to take their picture. So make sure you can use an, uh, an app like Image Scrubber to go in and obscure faces and stuff like that. Or I tend to use portrait mode myself when I'm doing that kind of stuff, if I'm doing a, a selfie so that I've, everything around me is blurred, right? Um, but also that the Google has a, a thing called Sensor Vault, which is captures some kind of information about your devices no matter where you are. And apparently that's another way that law enforcement are using, they're getting um, a hold of the Sensor Vault information. And Google is kind of like muddy on whether or not they're allowing people or, or sort of allowing forces or law or whatever, you know, the, what do you call it? authorities? That's what word I'm looking for. Whether they allow the authorities to to uh, let you let them see what's inside your your sensor vault. So just things to be aware of. You know, obviously, if you're going into these environments, you're taking with you a device that is going to you know identify you in in many many ways, right? So just a heads up on that. Um, all right. And so on the Ask MTJC, I just want to point out that um, uh, and and I don't know if you guys noticed or not, but uh, I I've created I've decided that you know we have a number of ways that people can get a hold of us. We talk about Twitter and, and Ask MTJC and all that kind of stuff. And I thought, well. 
Uh, we have uh, um, a Slack channel that basically uh, Slack, you know, basically Slack account that w- that's based on my company, and we use that uh, to talk to each other during the week, and other hosts join in and chime in when they want to join in, and and I've used it for other things like some bands that I've been involved in and stuff like that. So I thought, well, you know, why don't we open up uh, Friends of the Show uh, channel inside of our Slack, and uh, so I've done that, and so if people want to um, join us uh, and have a chat with us and maybe reach out to us, ask us questions during the week or whatever. Um you can. I've created a link on the two websites. We have we have one for the streaming and one for our own show. Um, there's a contact page there where you can go in and answer a skill testing question. Send me your email, and I will add you to the Slack channel. So if you're interested in doing that, let a us skill know. Skill testing question. Yes, it's a skill testing question, Mark. What kind of skills are you testing? Well, I'm testing whether or not you've actually listened to the show. Ah, okay. You know, it's kind of like now. How much would you pay, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But if they haven't listened to the show, how would they even know it's there? I guess. They well, then I would know that they're not really a friend of the show, wouldn't I? All right, yeah, okay. You know, it's a friend of the show Slack channel, you know? Anybody's welcome to join it, of course, but, you know, I think I tweeted about it as well. Um, yeah, so ask, and Jaime, I'm going to officially throw over to you and say, do we have have any Ask MTJC? The one we have tagged is your own poll, your own Twitter what poll. What do you know? What do you know? Yeah, so we were talking last week on the show, uh, and Mark, I basically distilled what uh, the, the four choices that Mark kind of chose as his, uh, What what is the next version of macOS? It's going to be called macOS 16. Um, and the choices were Laguna, Redwood, Tahoe, and Sequoia. There were other ones we talked about, and we'll come back to those. They put up a poll, a four-day poll, to see what would happen. Um, somebody actually, uh, um, Harmonic Lattice uh, on Twitter said, uh, what about Shasta? And I think we did talk about Shasta during the show, right? I think Remember? we mentioned it, yeah. Yeah, that's a good yeah. one, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Another the, one I like winner- is Pinnacles. Pinnacles. Well, so, yeah. so, the, uh, so the winner actually was Sequoia, right? Right? Out of uh, Redwood came in second, Laguna third, and Tahoe was like left in the dust. But um, my favorite one though was came in during the week. Apparently, Corona is a place in California, Mark. Apparently, I didn't know it was, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I looked on the map and it is down uh, around uh, Riverside County, down in mm. Southern California. That's kind of halfway, not quite halfway, but in between LA and the Arizona border down there, kind of out in the not quite in the desert, but getting pretty close to the desert out there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I think Maco was Corona. Is is fitting for this year, um, but of course, you know, I'm sure Apple will never do They're that. Right? It'd that. be a super dark <laughs> turn if they did that. Yeah. Uh, for this for this particular poll, I ended up voting for Laguna. Did you? So did I. Yeah, I voted for you know, Lagoons. But I think Laguna kind of has no chance because it's it's a city. Right. There's a beach. Well, no, I think it's- now technically so is Tahoe, and I like Tahoe, but but Tahoe is not a city in California. Tahoe is a city in Nevada. Right. Well, we're going to circle back to oh, this. No, wait a minute. Am I wrong? Uh-oh. Well, there's a oh, Lake Tahoe. No, I got it wrong. Yeah, so- uh, no. You're right. No, I'm completely wrong. South Lake Tahoe is in California. State line is in Nevada. So, okay, so Tahoe is out. I take back my take back my choice. They don't use cities, I don't think. The Friends of the Show skill testing question is obviously going to be about California geography. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, we're yeah. kicking Mark out. Yeah, um, no, I, I, I just failed on that one. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll come back to that in a little while. And, and as a kind of an interesting, strong argument for that coming up in a minute. But I want to hear about Jaime's uh, WWDC sob story. What's that about? Oh, this is a follow-up. I bring it up every every once in a while, possibly every WWDC. I don't actually know if I remember to do it every season. but yeah, I think you did it last year, too. Yeah, this is you know my sob story from the 2013 edition of WWDC. 
So, you know, everybody's kind of, uh, you know, interested to see what happens this year. They're, they're not having, you know, an in-person event. It's live online completely for the first time. And, and let me tell you, you probably shouldn't complain too much because things used to be way worse <laughs> in terms of, oh, yeah, yeah. Of, of, of the pain and anguish. Uh, at least this is a very level playing field this particular year. Um, and, you know, in 2012, as described here, it was get lucky that you happened to be awake and were able to buy tickets right when they became randomly available. Oh, that was a 2013 one? No, that was 2012. And then 2013 oh, okay, is right. when my sob story happens when Apple said, all right, well, there's been a lot of complaints about, you know, there's no perfect time during the day that encompasses all of the world because it is a worldwide developer conference, right? People all over the world are interested in attending. And so they said, well, at this particular day and time, this is when tickets will become available. And the thundering herd of developers trying to buy tickets just caused the entire ticketing system to just it fall bounced, to its yeah. knees, yeah, <laughs> just get destroyed. And you can see the, the, the weirdness that happened to me. And I, I didn't get close enough to actually buying a ticket to get one of those extra tickets that they ended up giving out, or I should say, giving opportunities to buy later. And Well, so, yeah, we've talked about this before because two things. One is that the year before... Um, I just happened to be walking to the kitchen to get a coffee, and I and I looked at my email, and I, I forget what I, device I had at the time, but I saw the tickets went on sale, so I immediately turned around, sat at my computer, and, and bought a ticket. It was like 8 o'clock in the morning for me, which would have been 5 o'clock in the morning for Mark. And I remember trying to ping him and say, it was no slack back then, I sort of said, hey, you know, do you want me to buy you a ticket? They're on sale or whatever. And I, I didn't hear from Mark for a couple of hours. And of course, they sold yeah. out in like a minute or two or something ridiculous. The year before, they sold out in, in a couple of minutes. But I probably have thought, yeah, get me one. <laughs> two yeah, hours, you probably, you two might hours have, you too might late. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, th I think you said to me they were all gone by the time you went, oh, by the yeah, time yeah, you saw yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the the year that you're talking about with with the uh, the server bounce, Jaime, is so my friend Jerry and I were sitting, we both had two Macs sitting in my kitchen at one o'clock on the nose. We we hit the site. We both got tickets in our in our inboxes or, or and then we went to buy them. We already logged into the store to make sure we didn't have to go through that nonsense. Right, so we had them in our in our uh, shopping cart, right, and we went to buy them, and they made us log in again, and the login part bounced, mm -hmm. right. So we had it in our shopping cart, and then of course, you know, it said, "Oh, you did, you weren't able to log in. We couldn't authenticate you." The ticket was still there, right. The second time we tried to log in, right. The second time we tried to log in, and when it when it went through the whole process, it went, "Oh, there's nothing in your cart," and so you know, we were both despondent, like WTF, right. And uh, both of us got a call, like you know, three, four. So I got. A call around five o'clock in the afternoon that same day uh, from somebody at Apple saying, "Hey, we noticed you were trying to make a purchase, so you're still interested." So if you think about it, Apple must have had to get twenty people to jump on the phone and make. I mean, how many calls would they have to had to make to to, redif you know, to rectify this problem? Unless it was just with, you two. Maybe it was just us two. Yeah, maybe they only had to get so, two people. I mean, it, it, it may it may be possible. It may be possible that uh, the that your ticket was reserved and it was yeah. it was held for you, and so they didn't sell that ticket, and then they realized, oh wait a minute, these transactions just never went through and we've lost all this money now unless we've been those we i mean they don't care about the money but but you get my point is that it's not like you know somebody else came in later and bought that ticket it's just nobody bought that ticket and and if there were you know thousand people where nobody bought that ticket then yeah they're gonna do something about that yeah and i can tell you i know i've worked on 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 uh, app releases or whatever where things go horribly horribly wrong and and you know you pull in all the brains you have and and sort it out right yeah. so i can just imagine apple doing that on on their end, just sort of like, yep. let's get all the people in the help desk to, you know, yep. start calling these people, right? So 
So I was going to say, here's my take on on uh, the online WWDC this year. For 99.99, maybe in a few more nines, percent of the people out there, this is actually going to be a better experience than what they usually get. Right. Because yeah. most people, all these 99.99% people are, are doing the online exper- experience anyway, right. watching yep. the videos at home. And this year, the, the, I expect the videos are going to be better on day one than they normally are. Because usually, yeah, you can see the live one of some of them, but then they go and they edit things and they you know they cut and paste it or whatever and right, a couple right. of days later you get the final one but i would argue that right now they're going to be extra careful to make sure those videos are are perfect and really good oh they're in the can already you can, yeah. i know they're in the yeah, can exactly. already right? yeah yeah and they've and and you know there's no cases of oh the presenter kind of messed up you know and didn't do it right you know that, right, that doesn't right. exist because it's all pre-recorded so i think this is going to be awesome now granted for the people who would have been there in person which remembers a very small percentage of the people they'll lose out on that experience but for most people who are watching it from home anyway or online, it's going to be a better experience. So Apple's not doing any kind of like small audience keynote, like at the Steve Jobs Theater or whatever, having like, you know, every second or third seat occupied. They're not doing anything like that. I haven't heard anything about that. Unclear. Yeah. People are, are yeah. taking bets as to whether Tim Cook will be alone on the stage yeah. filming from actual Apple Park uh, live or pre-canned or whether he'll be, you know, like on a Zoom call <laughs> from or, his, or in from his, his living room. room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I'm sure. I'm sure it's going to be like. Remember the iPad video that Craig Federighi did a couple of weeks ago, right? Like when the it was like in his kitchen or dining room or something. Was it the showing? kitchen or dining room? I can't remember. Like it, it did seem. It seemed sort of studio, like Marsh, Martha Marsha Stewart's home kind of look, right? Um, which was which could be either her home or a studio kind of thing. Like it could have been a, a set, right? Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I get you're right. I guess they're all still working from home. But mind you, they've started moving into into park as far as I know, right? Aren't like aren't some of the stores open and some of the stores have opened uh i don't i don't know how many people have gone back to work at the apple campus i know that there were some of the hardware people were were going to start going back because they kind of need to i think yeah, the software course, yeah. i think the software people are still working from home yeah like i say even regularly on the shows too bad there isn't somebody we could ask <laughs> <laughs> anyway um but the bottom line is even if you could tell us we couldn't tell you anyway so let's move on to our next story are we done with the soft story Tommy? yeah it, the the last button on the tail and it, it's it's worth a read if you wanted to go back in history and remember what it was like um is that at the very tail end i kind of say you know what would be better like well an actual lottery would actually be better because yeah you still have the stress of am i going to get in or not but you wouldn't have to be sitting anywhere in any particular time to do so you just sort of fire and forget and hopefully your name gets picked and lo and behold i think that's what they ended up doing that very next year year, exactly yep yeah by the way so i don't know if you guys saw the uh i think the so my sub story was last year on the way home from like after i couldn't get back into into um mchenry after lunch because i had my luggage with me and they were being restrictive about your luggage and stuff and even though i had it with me in the morning Duh. Um, so I ended up going to an art gallery, and then, and I walked over to one of the met, met some people over at. Um, I actually wanted to do a pin exchange with a friend of uh, James Thompson's. For I wanted to get a you know a, a forty two pin, and um, I went to one of the hotels and I put my jacket down and I opened up and I, I had bought an extra t shirt and somebody wanted to buy it from me, so I opened up my my bag to get it and I, and I ended up leaving my WWDC jacket I think on the chair at, in the hotel like when I when I left finally right and uh, yeah so of course I went back. 
back a few minutes later and it was gone and you know nobody knew anything about it and yeah so that was my sub story from last year and but that said have you guys seen the jackets that just came out today like uh, i think i think the student um scholarship winners have had it's sort of like a plaid looking thing uh made of memoji emo- emojis have you guys seen the jacket i've not seen it no. do you have a link this is a real yeah. thing yeah no it's just it just come out it's on twitter and of course friend of the show farley uh commented on how they they look pretty ugly um let's see i thought they looked okay but you know but then you know i think the i think last year's was kind of ugly too but you know they kind of grow on you after a while um it's i think it's another reversible thing here let me just click on it. oh i would never wear that <laughs> well it's reversible right so is that the inside but, or the outside uh that's well that's the sort of the, the good looking side the other side is uh yeah yeah oh, and you got okay. some pins and a package i can't see what the letter says i guess he's a, a, stu- a student award winner so who's getting who's getting all the pins and stuff or just the students are getting them yeah i think the oh it says stu- yeah swift student channel winner shared photo oh it's in and there's an article now in in um uh mac rumors i think i could see wearing this if you wanted to make a statement because it from a distance would look like a plaid pattern and only when somebody got close would they realize hey wait a minute there's there's something funny about this pattern that's all the emoji yeah it does look like a sort of tartan right so a plaid mm. some of the pins look interesting too they've got like a echo or application developer application pin uh, the pony or the unicorn on the mac in this particular example and a 2020 pin which looks kind of cool right so those are going to be unobtainium for most people you know what i was thinking about is normally they have t-shirts like they have the pretty cool um like this the exploding skull sort of neon design t-shirt from last year i think or the year before and yeah, gonna, are they going to sell them online this year or? yeah how will people yeah. obtain them yeah. other than knowing people who can get access to the physical apple park later on yeah well it, yeah it'd be interesting too like oh, so i mean i know someone who can get access to the physical apple park <laughs> <laughs> well if except, only there was somebody we knew at apple after hours yeah. in the dead of night <laughs> except except that uh except for the pandemic i forgot about if that if you think about it they would have had to order these jackets months and months in advance right yeah, so, so there's, there's a, probably there's five thousand of them out there. there somewhere yeah and then pins as well they probably like plenty of pins and i don't know if they'll they'll open a wwdc store you never know i mean they they do a company Maybe. store every year yeah. right so who knows no social distancing necessary at midnight at apple park <laughs> and it's not stealing yeah. if you leave money behind yeah <laughs> 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 yeah anyway all right that's cool congratulations by the way it's 350 student swift student challenge winners who got the uh, the jackets the 2020 jacket all righty so that's cool lucky them all right so well, they've changed the look of the apple store a little bit online store really yeah i heard that they changed uh the apple's app store connect apple.com well, www.apple.com slash shop. It's got this new front screen that I've never seen before. Oh, yeah. yeah. Once you descend in, it's more or less the same. Although it seems kind of brighter to me. I don't know. Wait a minute. I'm I'm just, you're saying it's, it's, uh, I went to shop and it brought me to like a help page. Yeah. This is a like Apple specialists are here for you, for your safety. We're offering no contact delivery. They're really pushing the everything you love about our sources online. Chat with specialists, Apple trade-in, no contact delivery and genius support all right here. Yep. Yeah, and they've got that, uh, that those sort of card look that they've been going with lately, which is cool. Yeah, neat. Turn your device into credit. Hmm. You get 3% daily cash back when you use your Apple card. Imagine if you had an Apple card. You could do that. <laughs> well, Tim, that's a good time to say, uh, following up here, we, we know that you can get interest-free financing on more of Apple's products through oh, really? okay. the yeah, Apple card. 
So <laughs> some of the less expensive items like AirPods can be financed interest-free over six months, and most are eligible for a 12-month interest-free financing plan. Nice. For, you know, iPhone, etc. That's is, only if you have Apple Card. Yeah, so you're, you're, you know, you're not getting it for free. You are, at the end of it, meant to, to pay. Yeah, um, you've already been vetted, yeah. But yeah. you do have, like, I, you know, I don't know if it's typical over there, but here in the U.S., it's pretty typical for, like, furniture or mattress stores to have a sale that says, you know, 12 months or 18 months, zero money down, no interest, you know, assuming you pay it off by the final month. So cool. you can pay it all at once, you can pay it in pieces, as long as you finish it all, you won't owe any interest. Right. I don't know if you saw the, uh, there's a link on the bottom, I don't know if it says popular on Engadget. We've talked about this Aura ring before, the O-U-R-A ring. It's like a ring with like um, circuitry in it and, and it reads, you know, systems like your blood pressure and your sleep habits and that kind of stuff. Apparently, uh, the NBA is going to be using this thing because it can, this ring can be used to, to catch uh, COVID-19 symptoms. So that's kind of interesting for those of you who want to practice uh, that kind of thing. That would be good for over Aura uh, sales, if that's the case, right? Alrighty. Um, okay, what's next? Oh, um, yeah, so coming back, this is circling back to the story that we talked about at the top of the show here about the name of Mac OS 10.16, what will it be? And um, so somebody has done some work, or is it uh, Mac Rumors who did this? They have discovered that over the last little while, these shadow companies have been registering these various trade names. And over the years, there's 20 California-themed trade trademark applications filled by various limited liability companies, but they all think that they're shell companies of Apple to hide its identity. And uh, over time, Yosemite, Sierra, Mojave were all names that came up. And so they're postulating that um, they had uh, they had noted that Mammoth, Monterey, Rincon, and Skyline were all registered in the trademark office. So their theory is that, and then of course they go into the same sort of thing that Mark broke down last week, um, what the likelihood of these particular uh, names. Like Rincon, it says is no longer active, was abandoned in, in September 2019, so I guess that's out of the running. Um, Mammoth could be based on... I think on, Mammoth uh, is a good one, yeah. Mammoth Lakes, and then Monterey, which we've talked Mammoth about. Lakes and Mammoth the, Mountain. Monterey was the one I mentioned last week, which is a historic... Uh, that's the furthest south I've been in California, actually, Monterey. Um, really? And Yeah, I've, I've only ever... You've I've never been to been, LA, huh? No, I've never been to LA, no. Oh, wow. I don't, don't, I don't have any reason to go to LA, I don't think. Yeah, it's, um, it's cool to check out. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's someday I will. It's an interesting place, you know. I've, I've spent a good amount of time there. I don't know that I'd want to live there for various yeah. reasons, but you know, but yeah. but it's a cool place. I mean, there's a lot of interesting stuff there. Well, it's sort of like sort of like Corsican or Cor- what is it the the thing in Star Wars Corsant? Um, it's like it's just a giant city that goes on for for it days. Is, it, it is mm-hmm. enormous. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember there's a um, I think it was one of the uh, IMAX films. I think about space or something like that, or Blue Planet. I think it's called. It's one of my favorite. Um, IMAX movies, and um, they do. Uh, they have a, a, a plane flying into and over um, Los Angeles, and it just looks huge, right? Um, yeah. And then coming, so coming back to this, I guess. Uh, so yeah. So Skyline, Monterey, Mammoth. Those are the ones. I guess that they're picking here. What do you think, Mark? Which would you go with? Well, so yeah, I kind of like Mammoth, but but I I wonder if they would stay away from Mammoth because Mammoth Mountain is a commercial property. Mammoth Mountain is a ski right. resort. Uh, now it's Mammoth Mountain is in. Mammoth Lakes, or next to Mammoth Lakes, so it is kind of a region. 
but it might be a little too commercial for Apple. Skyline is interesting. Skyline is is this road that Skyline Boulevard is is a road that kind of winds through uh, the 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 coastal mountain range uh, that's pretty much in between uh, everything on the the peninsula that runs up between San Francisco or from San Jose up to San Francisco. Uh, everything between all the cities and the coast. There's a couple of little cities on the coast. Uh, mm-hmm. So Skyline Boulevard is kind of the main, uh, you know, like drag kind of thing. Um, like? No, no, it's not. It's it's not a main drag. It's a, it's just this, it's this windy road through the mountains, but it's very scenic and it's and it's kind of a you know it's kind of a cool road. Um, but it's 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 the only it's really the only way to if you want to drive up through the mountains, that's the way you go. So I could see that. Although uh, as a name, it's a little boring. I think. Yeah. Um, Monterey again is a city, so I I, I kind of see them avoiding names of city, or although I could cities, although I could be wrong. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I think our choices are better. I think Sequoia or, or Redwood was my second choice last week. I kind of like Redwood. Mm-hmm. Sequoia is good. Sequoia is a good one. Um, I kind of like Pinnacles, like I said, although it is kind of long. So well, we'll have to wait and see. Maybe they'll surprise us. It'll be something completely different. <laughs> well, they have to change change gears altogether and just pull us all right. Yeah, they're, they're sitting there right now. They're like, oh, MTJC got it. We got to change it now. <laughs> maybe 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 it's actually going to be Mac, Mac OS Glass. Mac OS Glass. Yeah. <laughs> like we just don't know, right? They, we're all assuming that Glass is going to be an actual product, right? Maybe it's going to be a trade and, name. Who knows? Or, or you know, nobody nobody knew when they changed from cats to places, so maybe they'll That's change. That's true. True. Yeah. There was a good joke in there. Yeah. What was it? Uh, I forget what the joke was. It was something to do about Bud. Oh, you know, there is actually a. Well, it's again, it's a city, but there is a city in California very close to where I live called Los Gatos, which is the cats mm-hmm. in yeah, Spanish. Yeah. Los Gatos. Uh, yeah. So it could be, you know, Mac OS 10 Los Gatos. So it's cats and a place, although it's mm-hmm. a city. So I don't know if they do that. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Um, yeah. So the next one here is from from uh, another video from uh, Rene Ritchie uh, talking about the iPad Pro Ma- Magic Keyboard after two months uh, of using it. Um, it. Interesting. Like it, it, you know, it initially got a lot of really high praise because of the kind of way it worked and and that kind of stuff. But it's also gotten a lot of bashing in the last little while. And uh, so I, I watched this video the other day, and um, it's interesting that he points out that it's a dock, not like a, like you know most of the folding keyboards that you can get for, the, in, fa- in fact, the original, what he calls origami keyboard, where you could flip it over and has sort of an easel mode. And easel mode is where, you know, the thing's kind of tilted up. You can flip it around backwards and have it sort of at an angle, but it's it's awkward for drawing. Rene is also a sketcher, so he knows about uh, holding a device. But he likes the idea that you can actually just pick it up and carry it around, you know, pull it, like, just detach it from the dock. Um, a lot of things about the dock that, that people knocked against it were have to do with the angle, but the fact that you can have it at any angle and it sort of floats, but and there's a limit to how far you can go with it in terms of tilting it back and that's because of the weight of the iPad it will tend to knock it over that kind of stuff so uh, interesting thing um, so it doesn't really have a proper easel mode and it's missing the function keys I mean even this Logitech one that I have has the the top row of like, they're, they're function keys on a regular keyboard but you know it's got like brightness and, and uh, control um, mission control and, and audio controls you can turn your you know, stop and start videos and you can you know adjust your brightness and your, your um, uh, sound levels and that kind of stuff those those are kind of missing from the iPad. However, he did point out that like the, the iPad hangs down low enough near the keyboard, so that the gesture of just reaching up and adjusting those things, you know, adjusting the dock on on the iPad is is not uh, not a huge uh, deal uh, for that. And um, yeah, so anyway, just check it out if you're if you want to hear his um, his take on it. Um, 
And the other, the other, sorry, the other compelling thing about the the Magic Keyboard that uh, uh, it gets it gets knocks for the fact that the the trackpad is smaller, much smaller than it is on the on the Macs. But then again, if you think about it, the Macs don't have a gesture like you can't touch the screen and, and gesture. So the only gesturing service that they have is this giant trackpad on on the MacBooks, right? But uh, MacBook Pros and um, and Airs and uh, but yeah, the fact that there is a trackpad on the keyboard for an iPad is kind of is kind of really cool and interesting. And we've talked about the, the the, um, the cursor changes from a button to a circle to you know an I beam depending on where you, what, what context is being used in right so yeah I haven't I haven't tried out you know the whole physical device because of the pandemic I think we mentioned that on one of the shows when that came out of like man this is gonna be a bummer because you can't see how magical it is but I think what I'm hearing for some of the complaints are that folks don't necessarily agree with the trade-offs because it, it necessarily has to be a trade-off right you're yeah you're you're not going to be able to compare it one to one necessarily with a with like a MacBook or a MacBook Pro, um, I think it gives you. I think it's instead of folks looking at it from like, well, what does this uh, have taken away from it that I would have with a MacBook Pro or a MacBook Air? I think we should really look at it as if you're into the iPad and iPad OS ecosystem, what do you gain by adding these new capabilities? And I think that perspective alone will make people a whole lot happier. Like I think if you're very particular about the angle at which your device needs to be at, and this doesn't meet that, then this isn't for you. It's not to say. Apple's wrong. It's not to say you're wrong. It just, hey, you know, they, they made a trade-off and um, it may not have worked for your case. Doesn't mean that they can't address it next year. Doesn't mean they will. Um, but I, I think these are, from what I'm hearing from the sort of people being pretty happy about it at the beginning and then people maybe less so now, I think it's probably somewhere in the middle of like, yeah, you know, pretty good products, but maybe not for everybody. Yeah. And it is expensive. That's something that people have pointed out as well, right? So, because it's like 300 and something dollars, right? Alrighty. Cool. So what's next, Tommy? This is an article by um, Ben Thompson over at Stratechery, and it's covering the Apple ARM and Intel and what's going on. This is in follow-up because it covers um, you know, largely some of the same topics that we talked about last week about the uh, presumed, and we say this less than a week from WWDC, the presumed uh, premiere of, uh, of Apple moving to ARM and, and letting developers know what's going to be involved with that. Um, it covers some of the interesting sort of business side of things in terms of like how Intel sort of missed the, missed the boat when it came to mobile. And, and arguably ended up missing by not investing in ways that it used to invest and how it, it sort of took greater chances and how this has opened up an opportunity for others like TSMC, the Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company, I think that's called, um, yep. to be embraced in Apple's open arms to to build, <laughs> no pun intended, um, to build these ARM chips, you know, should this end up happening. And uh, I think it's a really good read. I, I've always appreciated Ben Thompson's uh, podcast, Exponent, and his strategic um, well, the, the free public stuff, because I'm, I'm too cheap to subscribe. <laughs> and maybe if I was more dedicated, I would. But I, I always appreciate the, the analysis here. And I thought it was pretty interesting where he covers the, the, the decreasing gap in performance over a, a very rapid amount of time between what the Intel x86 chips could do and what ARM chips could do. It granted in, in certain factors and where if it ends up meeting sort of baseline computational performance, it can easily hand lunch for other factors of what you might consider for CPUs in terms of battery life, as an example, as being the sort of sore point where uh, Intel's chips, as powerful as they are for like a computational standpoint, have not done as well on mobile compared to ARM chips with regard to battery life. And if you are excited about the idea of like, well, what if I did have a MacBook Pro uh, or a MacBook Air and it like lasted forever in a day and I didn't have to worry about charging it the same way that iPad
iPads and iPad Pros last forever in a day. There's a cool chart here in the middle. I didn't know that these um, Apple chips had a name, like uh, A11 is Monsoon, A12 is Vortex, and A13 is Lightning. And also, I think it's interesting that they don't they don't um, have a mark on them to talk about their megahertz, right? So uh, do we know? I guess we don't know those kind of facts about, about the Apple chips, right? Well, megahertz isn't really a it's just a useful number, thing right? anymore. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. When you have multi-core, when it was all single stuff was all single core way back when. Then yeah, clocking it faster meant you did more. But now, when, with multiple cores, it's it's kind of more how you distribute the work over your cores, and 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 you don't have to run as fast to you can get even more done without running as fast because yeah, and speed clock speed directly translates to heat generated. It's just a basic law of physics. Yeah. Because these these things are all based on a type of uh, structure called CMOS, which is complementary MOS. Uh, MOS stands for if I, if I'm going too much in the weeds, just stop me. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, MOS stands for metal oxide semiconductor. That's just the basic technology that all the, all these transistors are made from. Have been like that for you know for how many years now? Uh, at least forty years, maybe even closer mm-hmm. to fifty years that people have been using MOS. And CMOS is a very there, there's kind of two different flavors of MOS there, of MOS. There's NMOS and PMOS. Um, just um, you know, it's depending on the material properties. Well, uh, CMOS is complementary MOS, which uses in each basic cell. There's a an, an N-type and a P and a P-type that are all that are connected in a, such a way that the only time that you actually have to run current electrical current through the structure is when it's changing states when it's switching. So it will just hold its state. So it's either it, it's either zero holds either a zero or one. Um, uh, other types of devices, you need to always be running current to maintain that zero or one, like uh, if it's a bipolar type, uh, uh, bipolar transistor type type design. Right. But with, mm-hmm. with CMOS, uh, one of the real advantages is that, like I said, it only drives current uh, when it's switching. So so as the, but what, as the clock speed goes up, it's switching more. So even though it's running faster, it's generating, it's, it's driving, using up more current. So uses up more heat, generates more heat. So in general, always high clock speed means more performance or fat faster devices so if you want something to go faster maybe i shouldn't say more performance faster means more more heat pretty much always uh so so uh by reducing the clock speed you can actually reduce the amount of heat generated and and you may actually uh improve the overall performance because you're not heating everything up and then causing other things to go wrong right right cool all right um okay so Jaime and i both got to the same link at the same time and arguable but you put it up here first uh, my um iphone crashed when i tried to enter it so yeah so we got a we both saw a post here from um two straws or, or paul hudson has created a uh, an environment for people to get together and share around wwc right i mean yeah he's got different categories here right so there are links to various types of uh, events and meetups people are doing online try to you know watch together as if we were all sitting in the room uh there are things like swag if you're interested in uh unaf- unofficial wwdc 2020 pins it looks like there's a kickstarter project for that and, and the design looks pretty nifty mm-hmm. for those pins there's uh various wish lists if you're kind of you know of the i wonder what's in the box at christmas or other you know gift wrapped holiday sort of thing and uh i actually found this link for the wwdc 2020 swift student challenge submissions interesting that people have 
have uh, submitted their projects. I assume they're vetted in some way. So you add the, uh, you know, who these people are, you know, like how you can contact them, their GitHub repos for their, their submission. And in some cases, the they have YouTube video links. So it's kind of cool to see what some of these things do without having to actually, you know, like download and, and run the playground. And so people did some, some nifty stuff as I was just sort of randomly poking around. And uh, the whole purpose of this is to have community sort of engagement. So Paul has a how to contribute section of how you can add other things that maybe you're starting up or maybe you find uh, out there in your travels, in your mind. Yeah, it's interesting. I hadn't uh, hadn't seen this uh, site in the last couple of days, but yeah, it's already got some uh, interesting things, like you said, the t-shirt thing and um, as well the uh, pins and that kind of stuff, which is normally like a, a, somebody tweeted today that uh, normally when you go to conferences, you, you share pins and, and uh, stickers and that kind of stuff. And, uh, um, but, you know, like uh, that's something that's going to be missed this year, right, from people. I see that Randy Richie's even got a pin uh, added to this collection that they just got for pins. Yeah, it's a higher higher level tier that you can get the the RR Rene Ritchie pin. Nice. Hmm. Yeah, I noticed it's an extra thirty bucks to ship to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Can't win for trying. Uh, let's Oh, it's cheaper if I use the international button to buy. Cool. All right. So yeah, that's an interesting, worthy cause. I mean, like like it's a lot of things that we normally would see, or I would normally see on um, these kind of things, where like you know you've got the watch parties and the Slack groups and stuff like that, and the pre WWDC uh, trivia, different get-togethers, that kind of stuff. Cool. Looking forward to it. All right, uh, what's next? Yeah, so this is a video I saw er, earlier today, uh, or actually earlier this week, and I just watched it really briefly again. It's just a, a, a video um, talking about uh, what to expect with iOS 14, some of the things that they're talking that are rumored to be coming out, um, uh, the ability to get rid of some of the default apps, um, changes to the home screen, um, and the fact that iPhone 12 might be delayed to October, which again isn't really a surprise considering you know where we are in in uh, in the world. And what's going on with the pandemic and stuff that uh, the device might get delayed. Um, I don't know if you've seen any of the rumors on iOS 14, you guys, at all. Um, one I'd seen from the video was uh, the rumor about at mentions in iMessage. Oh, yes, right, yeah. Similar mm-hmm. to what you might have in something like a Slack or Microsoft Teams or other instant messaging. Yeah. Like I, I just assume that that will not work properly if you have green bubble non-Apple friends. Um, right, but, right. but when you stay within the, uh, the, blue. the, blue, the blue world, then uh, that might be kind of interesting. To, to specifically get extra attention from folks thinking of like yeah, like chats. a group chat or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard something about uh, recallable text messages too. Oh, where really? You could delete them or edit them. Yeah, yes, I heard that too. Which again would would only be in the in the blue world. You, if it's if it has to go to SMS, then you're you're done. It's gone. Yeah, toast. Right. But uh, right. but if it's within uh, iMessages or not mess- iMessages, but messages world, then it's presumably possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gets fun when you go outside of the blue world because I. I remember when sticker packs first came out and trying all sorts of fun things with folks who have iOS devices. And they say, hey, wait a minute. I wonder what happens if I start a conversation with somebody who uses Android. And I said, here, mm-hmm. I'm going to send you a couple different things and tell me what happens. And I think what I was doing was I, I took some sort of picture and then you were able to add, you know, other pictures on top of it, like adding a hat, adding a cape, adding, you know, sunglasses. And it was this incomprehensible mess on the other side where you're like an iPhone. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I can see the one singular photo stitched together. And on the Android side, they just saw these multiple different texts of all the different components flying across, but not really in any cohesive, here's a singular picture. You kind of had to guess what it would look like. Mm. The other thing that people have been talking about that might get released as non-iOS 14, but as as like a like a 13 plus 
is this whole um, keyless car entry or, hmm. you know, like your BMW mm-hmm. or Tesla, etc. There, there's existing technology that does this. There's apps and, and of course, wireless key fobs that people can use. This apparently would be very similar. I, I would guess it would use like uh, either the, what is it, the W1 chip that they use for, for proximity or maybe it uses um, the NFC chip, you know, same thing you would use Apple Pay. Why, why couldn't you be like, yep, here, this little token here proves that I am who I say I am and, or at least I have a thing that's no different than an actual car key and please let me into my BMW. I, I guess the advantage, so uh, my first thought was, well, why is this useful? Because any car that has that kind of technology probably already has the, the same technology where you just keep the, the fob in your pocket and as right. soon as you get yeah. close to the car, it just unlocks it, right? If it's if it's going to be able to handle the, the phone connection, it's going to have that other thing already. But then I thought, well, okay, but the range might be further. The, the fob on purpose, you have to be kind of close to the car because you don't want to be unlocking your car when you're a mile away, you know, not even knowing that you just unlocked your car. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you have to explicitly go in your phone and tap something and it can go through a cell and talk to the, to the car, a lot of cars have cell service now built in. Um, and yeah, you could be anywhere and unlock it, just like the way that OnStar unlocks your car remotely, for example. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. But I could also see um, time limited or geolocation limited transference of stuff of like, all right, like, you know, maybe somebody needs to borrow my car while I'm elsewhere. Exactly. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's like, dude, I don't want to, like, I'm going to be busy at the exact time you're going to use it. I don't want to sit there and like, wait for you to text me or call me and then even just do the, the OnStar style unlock might be like, Hey, I want to send these, uh, you know, encrypted keys to this person or, or this authentication uh, authorization, I should say to this other person for a limited time. And then their phone can say, Hey, I am you verily, you know, I'm his friend's phone and it is either in the right location at the right time or possibly both. Please allow me to unlock this vehicle. I can borrow the car. And in these days of contactless, uh, drop-offs and things like that, if you want to give someone access to your car without having to hand them the physical key fob, then you just send the information to well, I don't know if you'll be able to drive your car through your phone. That might be dangerous. <laughs> like like um, Pierce Brosnan in that one James Bond movie where he did that inside the car. Oh, they were shooting at him. Yeah. They were shooting at him, and he was driving the BMW from like yeah. <laughs> inside using the this, the touch screen to move around. Yeah. Well, didn't he have like a little like a hand like a Nintendo remote kind of thing at one point? I thought it was like his phone or something that he was using. Yeah. And and then it used cameras on the external parts of the car to see where he was going. Um, right. Right. But yeah, thank you, Mark, for. Bringing bringing up the i was about to call this the most first world of first world problems yeah. <laughs> but then i was like no wait a minute but in a pandemic world there's actually a legitimate medical and and societal need for this feature so yeah we've yeah. rebranded it there you yeah. go yeah there's a lot of a lot of things where people are talking about using phone technologies and near full communication that kind of stuff for entries right like into 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 buildings and hotel rooms and stuff like that where you know if you have a physical a card that somebody has to hand you technically it could you know carry the virus mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. Or whatever whereas if you pass a digital token to a, a device like a phone um you know i could send you the keys to the car and say at two o'clock you can use the car right so yeah for hotels it's it's totally a no-brainer i mean they mm-hmm. they they would i mean those cards aren't that expensive but you know but they use they go through a lot of them so it probably adds up so they can save a little yeah. money there and and who wants to carry around those little plastic cards all the time yeah yeah and you're always worried about whether you're rubbing up against your credit card and i, I 
and I, yeah. I, I've demagnetized a number of them over the years when visiting hotels and stuff like that. And no, and also left them in the room when I walk out the door. Right, mm, that yep. happens too. Yep. Yeah, uh, cool. Yeah, All right. So what's happening in the the app world? I mean, yeah. So many folks are wondering. Hey, remember how Apple came out with that revised WWDC app? Now the Apple Developer app, only available for iOS and iPad OS. And people said, hmm, that's kind of weird. How come they don't have one for Mac OS? And then not 24 hours later, this is dropped on there that uh, now you have the Apple Developer app for Mac OS. And right. it's a very small download. So I'm going to assume that it's largely like a web view driven sort so what, of thing. What magical technology do you think they're using to produce this app so quickly? You know, I was going to say maybe it's um, a catalyst thing and they just took the the mm-hmm. iPad or iOS version, I guess I should say iPad OS version of this, but you know, it, it acts a little differently in ways that make me suspect whether that's true. Because I noticed that there's mm-hmm. no there's no way to sign into the app. Oh yeah, there is, yeah. There is? Where? Oh, on the Mac, you mean? On the Mac, yeah. So, so yeah, so I, I know that, that you have to sign into the the iOS and iPad OS one, but I'm like, well, how come I'm not required to do so for the Mac OS one? Um, so I haven't actually tried out to see what does it do with your, your stuff that you favorite. Where where does it get that list? Is it, is it logging me in behind the scenes somewhere? And I just don't realize. Wait, does the favorites work? Let's see. Oh yeah, it does. I have favorites huh. marked, and I yeah, me too. I think they look legitimate, like my actual favorites. Yeah, so yeah. I I don't know. I don't know the answer, and I don't know how I would log out and it's go somewhere magic. else because it, it's not super obvious so for me i i just assume that it's the catalyst app yeah in and uh, otherwise it, it's, or it could just be a web app yeah it, it, it feels like it could be a, yeah. a web app i'm not sure so well the thing the thing that that uh, i i don't know about you guys but i have large fonts on my phone right because i have some accessibility issues right and i noticed that when i use the app on the on the ios devices um some of the screens don't fit it looks like a dark mode kind of app and yet, um, when I was looking, when I was scrolling through the big, you know, the big long first view you have on it, uh, it gets to the very bottom, and there's like probably three three quarters of the the uh, phone is uh, the background is white, and the black because the black ends before the text ends, so it's kind of like there's some to me that kind of looks kind of not webby, but more because um, webby you could just make the whole background black, whereas it sort of seems more like a kind of iOS glitch um, in terms of how it's fitting. But yeah, this you get me really worried about or concerned about this. I don't know how how is it able to figure out what um, my favorites were because it does look like the favorites I chose last year, right? If I'm not logged in, right? It makes me wonder if it's tied to like the user account that I'm logged in with well, or yeah, Xcode. Your iCloud account that you use yeah. to download from the Mac store. Yeah, but don't Mac forget, I'm, I'm one of those weird people that has two accounts, right? So I have a, an iCloud account I use for, for iCloud and I have an uh, an app I, an ID that I use for developer and for iTunes purchases. Yeah, so, so Mark, what you're saying works for for a lot of people, maybe even most people who are, who are like me, who have only the one, and I can see how it, it did that. I would wonder, well, how come the iOS app doesn't do that? Why did I have to explicitly sign into that versus just using what I have on the phone? Mm-hmm. So that's why I was wondering if it was doing something through what, you know, what I'm signed yeah. into for the App Store, or yeah, uh, I yeah. went the Xcode route, because it kind of makes sense for developers. And then, and then we have to answer, you know, well, what about Tim? Because his setup always breaks this stuff. <laughs> so, poor <laughs> <laughs> Tim, who's the who's the edge case that Apple clearly Can't doesn't Apple test card. for the going back to, you know, the the dot me uh, stuff. So I don't know, is yeah. it, Tim, if you go in and out or if you reboot your machine, I wonder if it just chooses yeah. arbitrary random iCloud accounts that it finds associated to you. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny because lately the the uh, I've noticed that I'm not sure if it's iOS, but lately I've been getting a lot.
lot of messages saying, oh, here, you want to log in with an Apple ID? And it always chooses the iCloud one as the default ID, right? And uh, and yet all of my money and all my purchases are in the other other account, which really drives me crazy. Um, like, I'm getting to the point where I'm like, okay, how do I consolidate these myself? Because this is, this is getting crazy. But um, what was I doing? Yeah, so I want to just see on the developer app on my phone if they're the same same favorites, right? Because that one I had to log in. Yeah, I'm logged in on that one. Maybe it maybe it piggybacks somehow, right? I don't know. Let's see. Okay, I'm looking. At, I'm looking on my phone. I'm looking on my my Mac at the same time to see if they're the same favorite. You know what? It's like it's like yeah, literally the same list. Hmm. Yeah. I and mean, folks might wondering like, well, they just have it on the website. Why don't you just use that? It's like, well, yeah, but what they don't have on the website is the way they've broken things out very easily in this sidebar where you can see different events. It looks like it has WWDC. 2019 back through 2014 very easily accessible any tech talks and developer insights it's got yeah. breakouts for design for various frameworks like if you really wanted to know what's going on with apple pay and wallet you can see way back to 2016 you know not just the latest stuff but also where it started in case you were looking for that one bit of detail that's only documented in talks or when it comes to this coming up week i'm going to go in right as the keynote is is complete or whenever it is they unlock all these things and start favoriting all the sessions that I'm really going to focus on. And that makes like a little playlist for me of like, all right, what do I, what do I want to watch? Uh, whether mm-hmm. it's live or if I don't have time or have a conflict or something, what, what will I want to watch later? And it's a little harder to do that from the WWDC website. Yeah. Interesting that it goes all the way back to 2014. Where's 2015 though? I have no idea WWDC why it's not in there. It's a weird gap. And the tech talks are here too, right? Far back to they go. Hmm. Interesting. Developer highlights. These are videos about developers, right? Mm-hmm. And then you can, of course, end up having segmenting by platform. So if you're really interested in, in let me see what's related to watchOS and get a whole big playlist of those, iOS, macOS, tvOS, that can be that can be helpful. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it's it's interesting that, that you know, usually they put up like a mock uh, schedule. Uh, for, it was everybody, we all got the same thing last year, like whether you're going to the to the actual conference or not, we all got to choose, pick and choose these random, you know, made up names, right? Yeah, usually teasing in some way, like you won't believe what this session is about. It's will blow your mind or some other theme sort of uh, phrases. Yeah, have you ever gone back and, and tried to uh, match us up against what the fake name was versus the real name? I think people try to do that, right? But uh, I don't think... Do you think there's any kind of relationship between them? I kind of doubt it. I think they just throw random ones out there. I mean, they, they wouldn't want to give anything away. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's a good question. You, you would think with so many people who watch for this sort of thing, the, you know, we've... In normal years, we'll talk about the criminology of what does the invitation mean? You know, what, what, what secret thing is hidden inside of the... The, the invitations artwork, to, you know, what will be the focus this year or what surprising feature or product will they have? And this mm-hmm. year, they really didn't have that. It was more leaning into the idea that we're all going to be sitting, you know, at home and in enjoying through our video screens. Um, and you would think that given all of the years that they've had those those fake entries and then the real entries, you would think somebody would have done the data mapping, but maybe no right. one has. Maybe you right. actually could figure out what it's like, you know, hypothetically, maybe there was a session called now how much would you pay and then it turned out that was where they introduced apple pay or something i don't know yeah and maybe there's a team at apple just sitting around laughing saying i can't believe no one's figured this out yet we spent so much time <laughs> laying all these clues you know for all the people mm-hmm. who used to watch mm-hmm. lost or twin peaks or whatever looking mm-hmm. for all the clues uh, and no one ever figured it out <laughs> <laughs> i'm just scanning through a rumor site to see if there's anything interesting nothing really i think no it's all been pretty i mean other than the fact that it seems that the arm transition is going to be announced. Everything else has been pretty close to the vest. We haven't really seen, oh, 
oh, here's the major feature coming out that that's, you know, like a uh, UI revamp, you know, um, dark mode, you know, that those sorts of things haven't, haven't come out yet. Or a new language to replace Swift. <laughs> Swift plus plus. Right. Swift sharp. <laughs> yeah. No, Swift 2020. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Actually, yeah, it's funny. You were talking about the, the uh, apps having a, a date and I was, um, when I was editing the show, because I mentioned that first, the first app I worked on or worked, worked with was Adobe Illustrator, but it was actually called Adobe Illustrator 88 when it first came out because it was introduced in 1988, right? So interesting stuff. All right, cool. So I guess we're at the picks portion of the show and it looks like we have one official pick from Jaime. What do you think? Yeah, mine is a, a blog post by Marianne Bellotti talking about uh, heroes and juniors increasing engineering team velocity. And I felt like mm-hmm. this was rather timely because unfortunately during you know the, the financial situations and the impacts of the pandemic, I think what I am sort of seeing, and I don't have real facts and data, this is just from you know my social networks and people I'm connected to, it seems like they're is more of a focus on, all right, well, if we're going to have to cut uh, resources, you know, cut jobs, what will we keep? And quite often folks who are more on the junior side from an engineering developer perspective end up being the first on the on the chopping block. And mm-hmm. while I can understand the sort of tactical, you know, the, the ship is sinking, let's keep the ship from sinking sort of thing from before we, we start planning where we want to go. I would say, you know, take a look at this article where it explains how sometimes having nothing Thing, but senior folks may not always be the fastest way to move forward as an organization where there are you know, nice counterbalances that you get between having junior folks helping to round out the abilities of the seniors. And and let's not forget mm-hmm. that it's not just juniors and seniors, but you also have sort of those um, middle tier folks who are a little too experienced to be considered juniors, but not quite ready or maybe haven't had the right experiences yet to really be considered senior, right? In, in and everything that, that goes with that. And as perfect examples in here would be, you know, sometimes there's um, work that's grunt work that needs to be done, could be done by a senior, maybe done slightly faster by a senior, but does it really require a senior developer to do this? Like in this case, they were uh, consolidating templates of some sort and, and fixing one-off bugs and etc. Yeah, a senior can do that. Would you be twice as fast, three times as fast, four times as fast? Would you even be 10% faster? faster having a senior do that versus having a junior who would start learning some of the basic tools that are required to do the work while being guided by a senior who say, hey, well, did you consider this? Let's, let's make sure we cover this. And then just let the the experience sort of happen for the, the junior with guidance, right? And you can have the senior actually working on some other requires the, the horsepower of skill set that the senior has. And then you have other parts of like, well, you know, how do you end up having senior folks? It, one half is certainly you know, technical skill but you also have this leadership and mentoring aspect that it's kind of hard to do when you are a whole group of seniors who, who who's going to be teaching who exactly it's, it's harder to show sort of clear uh, growth and ability on on somebody you're 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 not mentoring as an example and they talk about the plight here of the uh, the plight of the most junior senior engineer mm-hmm. what happens to that person they're, they're not going to get uh, mentored by a ever so slightly more senior engineer and and it would be harder to show 
what their growth is and you end up with too much overlap in what's going on. And another sort of nice thing about having junior folks around is it ends up so that your senior folks really have to know what they're talking about and not just have it all in their head, but also be able to share that institutional knowledge so that somebody else could hypothetically take this over and you don't end up with that, uh, that lottery ticket or bus factor of like, oh no, what happens if this person is unavailable for any period of time? Does anybody else mm -hmm. know how this system works? Well, you're not going to have somebody just explain an afternoon to a junior. You're probably going to have to write stuff down. You're probably going to have some tools of some sort that automate processes or they can be debugged in some way. So it's all a very long-winded way. And I think it's a very, what is it, like a 10-minute article to read? Yeah, it says 10-minute read here on this Medium article. I think it's a good read. I'm not uh, saying you should have all juniors. I'm not saying you can, there's anything necessarily wrong with all seniors, but I would say I would propose that folks take a look at you know, what's the proper mix. And it probably is some mix of senior engineers with junior engineers in your organization. Even Yeah, you want to have a balance for sure. Yeah, a balance, yeah. even even though you have the uh, the current difficult situation, it is uh, maybe it won't feel like it in the short term, but I think in the long term, your organization will be better off if you don't just say, well, everybody who's below this level, just get rid of them and we'll keep on the seniors. Cool. What happens when uh, economy gets better? And let's say your senior leaves, your seniors at folks leave and say, oh, good. Now we have nobody. <laughs> nobody has been right. mentored along the way. Nobody so, knows how this system works. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I haven't read the full article, but I started, uh, started a little bit. So it, it's interesting that they make the pretty common distinction between just senior and junior, and that's it. There's only, like, it's, like it's really a binary thing. But if you think, think back historically to the like the whole apprenticeship kind of mode where there were three levels. You had your the master, you had the journeyman, and you had the apprentice. Right. So if you and if you map that, we you know we sort of I mean you know some places kind of have that you know where there's like the there's the you know the, the just the regular software engineer, and then there's maybe something called senior level, and then there's something called principal level or whatever you know. But but I think that actually makes it kind of an interesting model where you've got this maybe most of your people should be kind of in the middle level, the journeyman level. Where they're not the world's expert, but you know, if 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 they have to take charge for a day, you know, nothing's going to go wrong. It's going to get done. It might not get done as quickly. It might not be thought through as deeply as the super senior person would do it. Uh, but uh, but it's still it's still going to be fine. So then, part of the the journeyman's role is to train the the more junior people, and the role of the you know the super senior person becomes more of like an architect or a or a um, you know big picture kind of role. Maybe they do do some coding. So so splitting into just two levels, I think, is is a little bit unfair because reality is kind of not like that. Even three levels, there's of course in reality, there's splitting it into any levels is not quite right because it's a it's a distribution. But but uh, but I think just adding that third level makes makes things a lot more viable. Yeah, and I think that might be that's pretty good. I think criticism of this because it I think they sort of hinted that at the plight of the most junior senior engineer, hmm. which is a the senior engineer who's sort of lowest rank if you were if you were to rank them of, of that. And I think it gets at the the sort of need you would have to have at least sort of three different tiers. Where I think you're quite right, where you're you're sort of bread and butter like getting stuff done uh, on a more tactical basis, recurring basis is probably your, your journeyman, as you mentioned yeah, there. For sure. Yeah. Uh, and, and they're getting helped a lot for, you know, uh, sort of basic tasks or, Hey, you know, I've, I've given the skeleton, but you can fill out the details for the junior folks. So they start learning how things work and they start mm -hmm. getting experience and start having success. And then 
your so that would be like the apprentice level and then the senior level can truly be i think like in the master apprentice journeyman sort of scheme you could have true sort of seniors who are thinking more about like well how does this architecture work and and are we using the right technology sets and longer scale things that are day-to-day maybe not uh obvious super high impact but long term are super high impact right like you wouldn't want somebody to just sort of slap dash decide hey this is the technology we're going to build our entire company around oh no <laughs> it was the terrible choice and we made it yeah. because we didn't have time to 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 really sit and think about it because we had to deliver 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 well that's where your your journeymen are sort of your your workhorses of of getting things done while bigger pieces bigger strategic pieces are being put in place and thought very well thought out through by the uh, the senior folks yeah and I, I think you end up seeing these sorts of splits even it's not a great analogy but thinking about like you know going to get dental work done right you you probably have most of your time interacting with um more of a generalist like, like your hygienist um mm-hmm. you get a very small slice of time for the uh, the dentist right who's more specialized and you have even less frequent hopefully less frequent uh conversations with somebody like an orthodontist or an oral surgeon right that's very highly specialized tech work right. um and is and is different and i think even though it's not a perfect analogy i could sort of map those of like yeah that's kind of what you would have going on here if you had the uh senior journeyman um apprentice type area and at the very least i think starting out here of evaluating you know i propose that it makes sense to have some mix of junior folks and not just trying to, to stack your deck with with seniors because you end up with sort of weird organizational problems that uh, aren't obvious even though on paper it looks like yeah more seniors equals more good right it's like well no i don't know about whether that's the right answer or not and certainly the yeah, person that, who that seems like a work. mythical man month kind of argument right or the opposite of what mythical man month what mythical man month is debunking sounds like that same kind of thinking of more seniors is always better right right yeah you guys you've read that book right long time ago uh, I, I think there was a, a an update in 90s and i think i read the an older edition yeah. that had had not been updated it's definitely it's definitely worth a read uh it's very out of date in a lot of ways but you can sum it up very quickly that uh the, the basic idea is that if it takes a team of three people a month to do something it will not take a team of six people two weeks to do the same thing it will take longer so it's a common fallacy that just throw more people at a problem and it'll get done faster. That's not the case because you have all the uh, overhead of interactions between the people and training the people and all that that end up slowing things down. And they get in each other's way and that kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's a joke about um, number of people to make a baby that we won't get into. But <laughs> Yeah, I think that might actually Shorten be an analogy on. from the book. Is it? I think. Okay. In terms of terminology and the the worldview that it has of like who, who would be reading this and, and who would be at the professional office doing the sorts of work it is you know just to be clear it is very outdated from that perspective but the the problem that it seeks to address is timeless we, we still end up today with arguably a lot of things that we might talk about on this very show of like hey look at this nutty thing that this one company is doing why are they doing it because they're thinking they can out um uh, get themselves out of the mythical man month problem and that how do we add more features how do we add more stuff oh we'll just add more engineers and we've come up with this elaborate scheme that allows us to just try to scale number of engineers for like the same app how many times have we talked about like how does this one company have like you know three thousand engineers on this one app how is this even mm-hmm. possible right it's like mm-hmm. well you end up with stuff like that i think the mythical man month type idea that people are 
not really sitting and thinking about. Yeah, I kind of wonder if you would end up getting the same point across with like, I don't know, some common thing that people do that people, um, you know, use egg timers, right? It's, it's, it's basically the same thing. And it's kind of on the nose to say like an egg, like, all right, so, you know, if, if I can boil one egg, you know, in a, in a minute, you know, can I get, if I have, you know, more of them running at once, will I have them in, in one ninth the amount of time? Like, no, on average, yes. <laughs> but your first one's not popping out until that minute is done. Yeah, it's true. That's true. But it's also like, you know, when you, when you, I think, what, isn't there like a, if you're falling to earth, you know, you accelerate to a certain point and then you reach a, a critical speed where you can't accelerate any faster, you know? Mm-hmm. Terminal vo- uh, velocity. Right? Term- terminal velocity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it wouldn't matter how, you know, big or whatever you were uh, or how big the object was, it's not going to, it's going to get to a certain point where it's just, it's not going to go any faster, right? So. Well, you're mixing up a couple concepts there. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, in the absence of of uh, friction from air, then all objects accelerate at the same rate, no matter what size they are or shape they are or, or mass they are. They all accelerate at the same rate, and they will continue accelerating forever. They won't. There is no terminal velocity in the absence of air friction. So, so air friction is what causes terminal velocity because at some point the force from the friction, the air friction, balances out the force due to gravity. Oh, I see. Okay, right. right. So, so that the actual terminal velocity, yes, there always is a terminal velocity, no matter what what shape or size you are, but what that actual terminal velocity is depends very precisely on what shape and size you are. Oh, I see. Okay, I got yeah. you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is why, which is why you know, like a, a Soyuz capsule returning into Earth always puts its widest side towards the, the friction to keep, you know, and it's got that heat shield there to yeah. slow it down and enter the enter the brake, brake, the centrifugal force. Is that what it is? Is that what keeps things in orbit? Centrifugal or centrifugal? I forget. Uh, well, technically, it's 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 centripetal is what keeps it in orbit. Centripetal <laughs> okay. force. Okay. So that's the force pulling inward. So there, so centrifugal force is is an artificial force. It's not a real force. It's a perceived force that you think you feel because your reference frame is moving around. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if you're in the spaceship or you're on a merry-go-round, right, your reference frame, you think you're getting pulled off because your natural inertia wants you to go in a straight line. So, so, but, but the centripetal force is, is making you go in this, in the circle. So, so what you're feeling is that, that, that is feeling what you're feeling of being pulled off is, is inertia just making you go forward. Forward, yeah, and it feels like it's a force pulling you out, but it's really not. The force is really pulling you in, keeping you in the circle. Yeah. So here's a question for you. So if you have a bucket of water, okay, yep. Yep. and you have it, you have your arm straight, and you're just holding on to the bottom of the bucket, right? And you start well, to arm spin straight your, down, or you're straight down, straight down, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. And you're holding the bucket. If you start yep. to swing your arm around, yep. and up over your head, yep. if you use enough speed, yep. the water will stay in the bucket. That's right. So what is that centrifugal force? So okay. So so centrifugal force is not a real force. Uh, so so <laughs> okay. what's actually happening is when you first start swinging your arm, yeah. you start accelerating the water parallel to the ground initially. Right, right. So that water, if there were no other forces on it, that water would, would keep going straight parallel to the ground. Right, but the but, bucket holds it in. Yeah, but, beca- yeah, but the bucket is, is holding the water in and forcing it to go around the circle. So that's, that, that force, that inward force is centripetal force. So the reason the water never falls 
out is just that you're going fast enough that that the that the force that is pulling the water in exactly balances out the uh, the force of yeah the force that would be pulling it out of the bucket. Yep. So, yeah, so what I was saying earlier about the Soyuz c- capsule is that normally to stay in orbit, it has a certain amount of centripetal force. But when yeah. it wants to slow down and re-enter the Earth, it turns its widest surface against the... I, I, it must use some sort of retro rocket, too, to kind of push it down towards the whatever. But it's the it's the friction of the air that slows it and gets it into that, gets it out of that escape apogee, I guess. Or what, what do you well, call it? all it has to do to get out of orbit is just slow down a little bit. Yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. So and slow so- down. But so it uses once, the air to help break, right? Yeah. So once you slow down, then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, it. So you're still feeling, you still have a force pulling you in. Always, you always have force pulling you in gravity. It's just mm-hmm. when you're in orbit, you're moving fast enough that. Every, yeah, well, it doesn't counteract it, but but for for the amount that you're always falling in, you've just moved far enough a, along the line mm-hmm. that you end up at the same spot in the circle. You're okay, still yeah. you're still falling down with respect to the point where you were, but now the the direction of the force has moved and you've moved. So the amount that you fall down is exactly compensated by the amount that you've moved over. So is it Newtonian physics, like this whole concept of? Yeah, this like, is all Newtonian like, physics. Yeah, yeah. So is so the reason like the basic station ISS doesn't have retro rockets to keep it in orbit, right? Just because it's already traveling and it has a certain amount of mass at that speed? Is that how, how yeah. it stays in orbit well, without decaying? Yeah. So, yeah, so something will stay in orbit forever unless yeah. its speed decays enough. And the more the speed mm. decays, the more you fall in. Yeah, that's okay. That's that's how the Mir station ended up, and I think Skylab ended up... <laughs> yeah, eventually they all fall in. Burning yeah. up, right? Yeah, yeah but ideally if, a, if you could have a frictionless satellite, and, you know, friction is for... I mean, what's it rubbing against? Well, it's rubbing against the small amount of, of atmosphere that's up there. So it's, you know, it's it's a real small effect for most things, but it, but it's there. So eventually it happens. But if you, yeah, if you could have a frictionless satellite, it would just spin around forever. All right. Okay. Yeah, it's super wow, weird. We really yeah. exhausting. Uh, and that's just plain old Newtonian mechanics. The yeah. relativity yeah. gets super weird. And, and people know this for like, you know, when we can go in airports again, it's, you know, why do those little um, Jetson style moving conveyor belts move you faster, even though you're still walking at your normal, you know, I don't know, five yeah. miles an hour. Yeah. It's like, well, because it moves at five miles an hour. So now you're going 10. You've doubled your right. speed. And that's why you feel right. that weird acceleration force just as you 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 kick onto it. And you feel that weird acceleration yep. force when you get off of it. But while you're in the middle of it, it feels like yeah. you're just walking on a normal sidewalk. It doesn't feel different at all. Right. Well, even the even the astronauts in the space station, when they're, when they're, they're they feel like they're floating in, you know, anti, like weightless, right? And when they go out on a, on a mission with their spacesuits on, they, and they work on the outside, they think that they're relative to the, the ISS. Yeah, yeah. They're not uh, moving, but, but in reality, they're really moving at like, you know, tens of thousands of meters per second, right? Yeah, but this is not relativity, right? No, I know, I know, I know. This, I know. Is, this is technically what you're talking about is Galilean relativity, okay. which is named after Galileo, yeah. uh, which is different than Einsteinian relativity. Okay. So Newtonian physics obeys Galilean relativity. It's completely intuitive. Uh, and if you're, if you're walking at five miles an hour on a treadmill that's moving at five miles an hour on its own, then you are moving 10 miles an hour with respect to the ground. Completely right. intuitive, completely mm-hmm. makes sense. Galilean, Newtonian physics, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Einstein relativity, Einsteinian relativity doesn't work that way, interestingly. Is this, is this like the, the movie Interstellar? Interstellar is related to this. Yes, yes. Yeah, okay. So right. now, Never see Einsteinian, effect, Einsteinian effects at low speeds. Like if you're talking about 10 miles an hour, you'll never see these effects. But 
if you happen to uh, be moving on a treadmill that's moving close to the speed of light, let's say, and then you shoot out a beam of light from your flashlight ahead of you. Now you see, if you could actually see it, you see the light moving with respect to the treadmill at the speed of light, right? Okay, so let's let's just say for the sake of argument, we'll we'll call the speed of light one, one unit of speed of light, okay? So the treadmill is moving at half. You're moving along with the treadmill at half. You shoot out the beam of light. You see it move with respect to you at one. Okay, now someone on the ground who's not on the treadmill, what should what speed will they see the light moving at, do you think? Mm-hmm. So they would see you moving at half the speed of light, right? Right, right. And they would see the flashlight. Well, so the, I guess the question is, um, I mean, they're only going to be able to see it at the speed of light, right? But the question is, are, are they seeing the beam that was half the speed of light ago? Like in terms of hit, well, in terms of time, we're not talking. Forget about forget about when it happened. We're just talking about the speed. So yeah. Yeah, let's okay. So think about the treadmill. You're, you, you, does a treadmill walk in a? Well, as I understand it, the most most you can actually see is the speed of light, right? Yeah. Well, you're right. Okay, but and that's a that's a, if you actually think about it, that's kind of a mysterious, crazy thing because yeah. if you're on the ground, you see the treadmill moving at five miles an hour, and you mm-hmm. see me walking on the treadmill at another five miles an hour. So you see moving at me. You see me moving at ten miles an hour right? okay okay they add up yeah. but now if the treadmill's moving at half the speed of light right. and i and i shoot a flashlight out at the speed of light with respect to the treadmill you know i'm on the mm-hmm. treadmill i see it moving at speed of light mm-hmm. then you would think from the ground it would be, be one a half, half plus one it's one and a half yeah right. but it's yeah. not it's one no, no matter it what it doesn't it's stack one. which is unintuitive right. right it's completely unintuitive yeah yeah so, so here's a question i have for you because because this is the kind of thing that that i, I there's a um scientist british scientist named brian cox he talks about this stuff yeah. a lot and yep. and he has this this show called the uh, infinite monkey cage podcast right which is great mm-hmm. um and he's talked about the speed of light or traveling at the speed of light a, a few times and um technically you can't I, travel at the speed of light but well you can, so what so what theory, i want to know what i'm what yeah so what, what i want to know is can you travel faster than the speed of light well that's an that's a very interesting question and people have been wondering about that for a long time because i mean star trek says you can seven times in fact <laughs> well no actually actually <laughs> isn't warp speed star trek is very careful about saying that you're not actually traveling faster than the speed of light. You're, you're, um, well, it's Star Trek, you know, it's fiction. So let's not even go there. Uh, But, but here's the thing. Um, I guess this is a different, this is a different uh, question than you're technically asking. But, but so Einsteinian relativity says that if you are currently not moving faster than the speed of light, which none of us are, then you can never move faster than the speed of light. Right. Interestingly though, it, it never actually says there's nothing in the math that says if you were already somehow moving faster than the speed of light, then you can't be moving at the speed of light. So something that has always been in for the entire history of time has been moving faster than the speed of light. Sure, it mm-hmm. can keep moving at the speed of light. Nothing, nothing prevents that. It's only about the approach to the speed of light. You can never reach, you can never accelerate to the point where you're traveling at the speed of light. That's kind of the weird thing. So there are all these theoretical particles like tachyons mm-hmm. that are these particles that are theorized to move faster than the speed of light. Okay. Um, but they're not proven. They don't, you know, no one's ever measured one. You can't measure one. Well, because you can't measure it. How do you measure it, right? Well, I mean, there there might be ways to measure it, but, but no one has ever measured it. Now, Star Trek, you know, warp speed is science fiction, right? It's, I mean, for all the physics we know, it is not, it is time, not, right? it is not possible. Yeah. And so what they, what they, what they uh, do is they say, yeah, it's not, you're not actually traveling faster. You're, you're kind of hopping through you're, a, you're a bending warped, space. Yeah. A yeah. warped geometry. Yeah. yeah it's a, oh, it's okay. a rather cute posit of, well, what if I lawyer my way and say, okay, so given what we know, you can't accelerate faster, but what if you're 
standing perfectly still in space itself is moving around right. to get right. you to where you effectively want to go even though you're right from your perspective you're, you're standing still there's right. as far as we know there's nothing that says that you can't be done but we also don't have real great proof that this property yeah. exists we don't, know, we don't know we don't have any even theories on how one might do that <laughs> right right although we do know i mean there is one completely 100 percent accepted way of warping space and and that is with a mass and that's what general relativity, Einsteinian general relativity is. So what Mm -hmm. we were just describing is called special relativity. General relativity says that what gravity actually is, is is a curvature in space. Um, And uh, it's technically, I actually said that wrong. It's not a curvature in space because curvatures in space are common, just anything that has a curve, a balloon, right? But it's a Mm. curvature in something called space-time where time is just a fourth dimension of space in some sense. And, and so a curvature in this four-dimensional space uh, acts like a force, a gravitational pull. And so, so there's sort of two parts of the theory. There's one that says that just, just curves in the geometry of four-dimensional space-time feels like a force. That's part one of the theory. Part two of the theory is that a mass, what a mass actually does, is causes space-time to warp in the region around it. And mm-hmm. so what gravity is, is a mass warps the space-time around it and and in if you're if you happen to be in the area you, it feels like a force to you mm-hmm. which which is why that you know without some other theory anti-gravity is just n- a non-existent thing um it's different than electromagnetism where there's two types of charges there's a plus charge and a negative charge and the force the direction of the force goes in a different direction if it's plus or if it's minus well but with gravity nothing like that exists it's just you know there's there's curvature and you fall down the, the curve right. so there's nothing that says you fall up the curve there's nothing that would make you fall up the curve hmm. now there may be more theories out there that we don't know about but and i kind of hope there are but i think most people hope there are and hope that warp, things like warp speed really exist because it's kind of cool you know right yeah, um, yeah but unfortunately there is nothing that we have in physics that says it does yet hmm. okay. which is too bad well maybe next week we'll have that yeah in the meantime <laughs> hi man if people want to get in touch with you how would they do that <laughs> i'm on twitter as at dev with the hair all right and mark if people want to get in touch with you mark r at smapsoft.com all right and my name is usually Tim Mitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A, but I'm not so sure today. Uh, but until next week or next time, we'll say bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. This has been another episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. This is Mike Van Ockmans, MTJC's favorite voiceover artist for some reason. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the apps, code, and news that we mentioned on the show. If you like the podcast, tell your friends. Please leave a comment on the website, and if you can, please write a review on iTunes. And please recommend us in your favorite podcatcher. All of these things help others find out about the show. We really appreciate your help with spreading the word. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. So use the hashtag AskMTJC. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at MTJC underscore podcast. Please consider supporting the show by pledging any amount on patreon.com slash MTJC. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. Why don't you know your name today, Tim? I don't know. I'm just, you know, 
I'm just I'm just a sphere traveling in the you know large trampoline. And I was thinking about this uh, this analogy that I saw once, where a physicist had taken a he had a giant hoop, right, like like a ten foot wide hoop, and he had bought a, a neoprene skin and he had skinned it over this hoop, and he put a bowling ball in the middle, right? So it it creates like a sort of a, a curve in the the top of the neoprene, right? And he takes like a baseball or a golf ball or something, and he throws it in an orbit around the the bowling ball, and eventually the it starts to fall into the bowling ball, right? And he was using that neoprene skin as a sort of analogy of how space yeah. bends, like sure. you were saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and it kind of, it's an interesting, I'll have to find the video for the show notes, but an interesting example of how gravity kind of works. Like the fact that this bowling ball has this magnetic or attractiveness that, you know, the other objects around it eventually fall into it, right? Yep. It's not magnetic though. Yeah. I, I, mean, yeah. I, I, I didn't mean to yep. say magnetic, but yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's some sort of an attraction and it's based on, in fact, in this case, it's because the space gets, or the, the space gets curved in that same sort of way you were talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Like a parabolic, I guess it's a parabolic curve. I don't know. Can, it can anyway. be parabolic. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. So what else is going on? What's, what's new and exciting? Before we forget, I think probably that whole section probably should be after show because it's way <laughs> off into the weeds. You think? <laughs> it's way off into the weeds of so the, the editor snip snip More move it around <laughs> move it around yeah. the time uh sort of thing well we'll see we'll see, it was, we'll see. it's fun it's, uh, it's, it's, it, it may not be able to i may not be able to move it depending on where we broke the conversation right yeah yeah it, it, it man this stuff is nutty you know there was uh you know the, the 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 evening news is like the worst possible way to to get this because they don't they don't give appropriate links and their their descriptions of things are wildly questionable i think yeah. the purpose of what i saw uh maybe two or three weeks ago they said oh somewhere in the world scientists were measuring the rate at which some um, particular particle falls down to the earth. And then they were doing this test because they realized that, hey, there's actually particles going the opposite direction. And their proposition, again, as presented by the like Channel 5 News, was that, mm-hmm. oh, this might be um, from an alternative dimension, right? Alternative universe type thing, which they didn't really do a good job in like the 30 seconds they talked about this topic. And again, no referencing links for me to go read what was actually going on and i say wait a minute how would you know maybe it's not from alternate universe maybe it's the same universe and it's just the other end of what's happening from the uh from the big bang right big bang goes outwards forwards in time one hypothesis is that maybe it crunches back and maybe it does that multiple times maybe this is not the first time we've gone through this whole entire exercise that's a very long way of saying like i don't know (laughs) while i was eating my dinner that one night (laughs) i was like wait a minute i I don't think that you what you've proposed here was very convincing but i'm sure the scientists who are looking at this probably have more detail in their in their paper yeah, they're they're screaming at the screen saying no <laughs> those scientists because <laughs> they got it completely wrong <laughs> yeah that, that was my assumption um yeah but it, it did make me think like, oh yeah maybe it's like that uh i want to see it was a futurama episode where uh they they go they can go forward in time but they can't go backwards and so they just kind of keep going through in a loop because time was looped for some reason so if you missed something that was supposed to happen like 10 minutes from now, like, now i gotta go trillions of years into the future until i loop back around through the the, the yeah. 10 to 12 billion years just so i can hit you know five minutes later than i did the last time yeah this is this is all like cosmology kind of stuff and there's there's um there's a lot of interesting theories i mean they're just just the concept of you know when 
when did time start? When does time mm-hmm. end? Does it start? Mm-hmm. Does it end? Mm-hmm. You know, if 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 time doesn't have well, if time doesn't start, never started. Well, that's completely foreign to any kind of concept that we have, right? Of things always have a beginning and an end, right? But if time did have a beginning, well, what happened before time? So so the cyclical thing is appealing to a lot of people because it sort of gets us around some of those issues, sort of, sort of. Because if you imagine, like, imagine you're an ant on a balloon, right? And you start walking forward and you just walk forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. You know, you spend your whole life. And then all of a sudden you've gone far enough and wait a minute, I'm back where I started. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so that's, an, that's a concept that sort of maps over in kind of a nice way to how time might be in the universe maybe although people sort of don't believe that anymore but but it's an interesting kind of interesting kind of a cool little idea um people more think that now that time kind of did have a beginning and and will have an end and and there's no real meaning of time outside of it time is a construct within this um within this piece of reality that we call a universe and and you, you know once you go beyond that real that piece of reality time doesn't have a meaning time is just kind of a a a a, a side effect of the of the type of reality that we just happen to be in and we just perceive it as this thing that's moving forward all the time uh, but nobody really knows nobody knows and you know you have to get kind of vague and metaphysical when you start talking about this stuff because nobody knows the answer yeah. there is there is no answer at this point did I ever tell you guys my wild ass hypothesis for your relating to dark matter right so it, so it combines the idea that maybe dark matter is not an actual thing or we've misunderstood yep. what it is and yep. instead it leans real heavily into well if that one hypothesis is correct that um at a, at a quantum level every possibility that could happen does happen and yep. it happens you know infinitely and simultaneously it's like well if you considered those as being your your alternate uh universes or your your part of your multiverse then in my posit i say well all that gravity um or that mass that we're we're thinking should be there and we're like where is it it's like well it is there we we just don't see it because it's on the other track right and we're all sharing the same cloudy dirty (laughs) mass space so it's interesting that you say that because i okay i i kind of don't think that's true for dark matter i I hate to say it but however that concept actually is is a pretty well believed by a certain percentage of people alternate theory of quantum mechanics called the many worlds or many universes theory Mm -hmm. and so one of the things about quantum mechanics is that you've got you've got the you know when you have some kind of particle moving around the way it behaves can be described by imagining that it is that that the current trajectory well uh, of this thing as it moves is determined by interference effects with every possible trajectory that this thing could possibly ever take and this was this was um, a theory that uh, Richard Feynman uh, came up with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he came up with the math of it that, yeah, so you can describe mathematically how something behaves by imagining that it's interfering, like I said, with every possible way that it could possibly happen. And if you add up all those possible ways that it could happen, then you get the way it actually happens in some sense. Now, some, then another school took the next step and said, well, maybe that's just not, maybe it's not just a mathematical trick that makes that work. Maybe that's reality. Maybe there are these this infinite number of possible universes 
systems and they're all interfering with each other, mathematically interfering with each other mm-hmm. in order to give us the universe that we imagine. And it sounds kind of crazy, but but there's there's actually there's a lot behind it that makes it not as crazy. Uh, you know, the 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 theory of quantum mechanics actually fits in with that quite well. And there's the standard theory of quantum mechanics has a couple of kind of holes in it. Um, you know, it, it it as a as a predictive theory, it works unbelievably well. It, it's the most accurate predictive thing ever that humans have ever come up with. So you can predict, you know, how things are going to behave to you know 50 decimal places. Most accurate thing ever. But there are some real theoretical, unexplained questions about why things happen the way they are. And and this multi-worlds theory actually explains a lot of them, which is kind of an interesting thing. It's kind of controversial. You know, it's still not the mainstream thinking, but, but a growing body of people, uh, physicists, actually believe this. One of the things that, that actually it explains very well is quantum computing. The, the, mm-hmm. So the whole idea of quantum, quantum computing is if you have this really complicated calculation that would take, you know, if, uh, almost an infinite amount of time to do it uh, in on a normal computer. Well, imagine you could do that computation on an infinite number of parallel computers at the same time. Well, then, you know, mythical man months notwithstanding, uh, then you'd get, you'd, you'd be able to do that calculation much faster. And the, the amazing thing is that it actually works in very, in certain limited cases, um, which is, you know, any, anything that, well, any, anytime someone can come up with enough, come up with enough technology to test it out, it always works. So, so, you know, so where is this computation being done is, is an interesting question. It's, is it being done in alternate universes and we're just sharing the, getting the answer <laughs> shared? Maybe, maybe. I mean, the truth is we don't know, but it's as good an explanation as anything at this point. Kind of an interesting thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's really weird stuff that when you get yeah. to those sorts of things. Yep. Yep. So here's some real time follow up for you guys. Yep. Mm-hmm. There are two sets of WWDC 2020 pins on eBay already. Mm. One's $400. Mm. And the second one is two ninety nine with a buy it now price of seven ninety nine. Do they look wow. legit? Like they're the actual real ones? And yeah, not they're, they're they're the same pins that everybody else has uh, posted so far. I've seen I've seen a number of jackets now posted, and and it's always the same it's the same bunch of pins. There's like an Apple pin. There's like a frozen emoji guy twenty twenty pin. Uh, juice so box. Do you think yeah. all these students are selling their pins already? Oh, I'm sure they are. Well, two of them are <laughs> already. Why not? I mean, I'm sure that they're they're in high demand, right? I'm sure people will buy them. I don't know if they'll pay that much money for them, to be honest with you, but it didn't take long. They, they, and they would have just got received them today. Like, they just started coming out today. Yeah, I guess they have to... Students are poor, so they want to <laughs> maximize the thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe. you got to pay for that Apple developer account, right? Mm. Yeah, craziness. Oh, one here has a California flag. Yeah, one of the so pins, yeah. someone from California. No, no, it's it's they're all the same. I've, all the pins I've seen so far are from four different, four oh, it's different not, posts. Oh, it's not like the flags that they did in the past no. where the country you were no. from? No. I see. Well, that one they give you separately. They gave us a, a bunch of pins and they give us like a pin for your country mm. separately. I mm. uh, can't remember. Did I get a Canada one? I don't remember. I do know. I have a whole pile of pins I picked up from last year. Yeah, crazy. So have you ordered one yet off of eBay? It's no. A, no. No, no sirree, Bob. Yeah, I don't I don't get why people are that into pins. I don't know. Well, that's something, well it's, the thing about it is when you go to a trade show, it's something to trade, right? Like, There's a collecting I mean, culture, exchange. I think, very similar to like yeah. stamps or baseball yeah. cards and etc. So I guess that's true. Yeah. Carol and I used to 
back in the in the late 90s or early late 80s i guess we used we went to some conventions and that was the thing is like all the olympic conventions had pins and people would just trade pins back and forth right so mm-hmm. i have some pins from back then and back in those days too so the disney parks have that concept where yeah they, they come up with new pins every year and then there's like hey you can only get this pin if you go see mickey mouse in toontown or something yeah and they yeah. they trade one of the like very common pins that you have for that less common pin it's got a kind of a collect them all sort of thing to it I did the same thing for uh for wwc last year like they and they probably did the years before like if you went to the ar game you got an ar pin now i went to like the educational thing and got an educational pin and i went to the women's breakfast and i got a you know women's breakfast pin sort of thing uh, like you had to go like you got some pins with your they let you into the women's breakfast yes i'm a yeah. mentor <laughs> Ally is the proper word, I guess. Yeah, by the way, yeah, so what's this, This have you seen this thing about, uh, we talked about it last week, about the, the changing of your master branch, right, to Maine or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. Are, like, are, are we really going to go around and rewrite the English language now again? Again, like for the, I don't know how many, how many I, times. I think you're overstating yeah. it a little bit. I do think the yeah. other side is overstating it a little bit. Somewhere in the middle, I think, is more practical stuff like, you know, mm-hmm. going away from master, which I thought, I legitimately thought the history around master master forget was the matrix form of the word and it turns out people dug it up from the like, usenet archives and it's like oh no actually it comes what, from this what do you mean like the matrix you mean like the movie the matrix or no more um gosh i didn't end up looking it up in the dictionary too uh, more uh, like uh, master copy of this uh oh, of this yes. audio cd yeah. right is not intended to yeah. be oh there's slave yeah. copies it doesn't really make sense it's more like yeah. here is the one that we will use to form all the other ones yeah and i thought that was where master came from from git it actually turns out it's a carryover from some other uh, version control system that was very lazily ported over their uh their terminology and in their terminology it mm-hmm. was more of a master slave relationship mm. um oh, really? was yeah. that from cvs you know i i don't think it was cvs it was some other one that i think i hadn't heard of i, I gotta see if i can find the, the article per, uh perforce actually mm. no it, it wasn't even forces later i don't yeah. think it was any one of the ones that like reached Still that level exist. of popularity yeah Right. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. CVS or Perforce or yeah. uh, VCS, the other ones. Um, and and so I can see like, yeah, all right. You know, I really want to see the the industry. And it's probably people like GitHub, to be quite honest, that are going to lead the way of like whatever they decide. The CI CD tooling is going to make your your defaults that as well. It's probably going to be main from what I can tell. I don't think primary or default, which are alternatives that were proposed. I don't think those are getting any traction. I don't know. I, I kind of think that people are going to have these good intentions and then realize the massive amount of work and productivity loss that would come from doing this and, and people give up. I don't think it's worth doing if you have like 50 existing repositories unless you were also doing uh, branch related maintenance on them. I think, mm-hmm. you know, just leave it as it is uh, to use yeah. another uh, less popular term, just grandfather those in and then all new repositories right. have them be under oh, the maybe. new scheme, right? Yeah. Of like main yeah. Yeah. and then deal. Because it, it, it honestly, main works better as a branch because I've explained to many an intern and they're like, why is this one called master? I'm like, I don't know, dude, that's just the, the main one. That's the it's primary one. <laughs> and it really should just be called main, right? And I think very similarly, the uh, master and slave relationship for like databases isn't really that descriptive of what it does. Um, even if you divorce it from the, the, the racial terminology, it's like, well, it's really more like original and replica, right? And, yeah. and, and you yeah. can follow along those lines. Now, uh, will people take it to the point of like, oh, your master's degree, you got to rename that, you 
It's good. It's now yeah. your main degree. You know, it's like, okay, well, that's a little nutty, right? And I think, Tim, that's what you were talking about of like, you know, how, how far do you do you end up taking it? I was suggesting at work today, a tree, like a, you have trunk and you have branch, right? So why couldn't you use that? Like trunk would be the main. I've always thought of as Git as being a tree, right? You branch off it and you come back to it. Right? That could work. It's got history in subversion, SVN, and it mm. definitely works really well if you are doing trunk-based and not branch-based development. It's 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 interesting that you that you call it. Uh, it this is just uh, this kind of thing interests me. It's it's completely trivial, but but you pronounce it subversion, which which has connotations of you know being the rebel and mm-hmm. you know you subvert something. But I've always called it subversion, which yeah. just has connotations of you got a version and here's a subversion of that. Yeah, you know, I, just kind of a, yeah. I actually don't yeah. know how it's supposed to be properly <laughs> pronounced, and uh, I always viewed it as the this is the competitor to CVS and it is subverting your expectations, the industry, what have you. <laughs> I, and it feels guess, like it, it, like it just so happened to be like there is a subversion of this thing. Yeah. Like it was a, I don't know. A, a, you know, Let's a nice Google innuendo it. double entendre. And it's funny, I've always called it SVN. Yeah. And yeah. 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 Uh, I think the other ones that I've seen are um, instead of whitelist and blacklist, you have allow list and block list, although people are talking about deny list as being sort of more obvious of what's happening here. You are oh, allowing and denying. black hat, white hat thing? Or, or, yeah. I don't think people mm. are looking at it that way. I think they're maybe overreaching, but in their overreach. Well, there's also blackballing too, right? So what? So black, where does blacklist come from? What is, what's the origin of that? I assume they were actual lists that went in like a black book overwritten in a black font or something that it comes from. I don't mm. know the, the actual history, but it, it's unfortunate that it shares the like white is good and black is bad uh, yeah. sort of thing. And, and, and even if if folks were overreaching on this one, I'm I'm not so bothered in this case because I'm like, yeah, that's actually you accidentally brought up a better way to describe what this is doing. So you don't have to explain the whitelist is the allowed people and the blacklist is the denied people. It's like, well, what if we just called it an allowed list and a denied list? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It is a it is a tricky time. Uh, I've definitely long thought that uh, you know revolution needs a martyr, and I think that's exactly what we saw here. Right? It's very sad and unfortunate, but we I think mm-hmm. we did have mm-hmm. you know George Floyd as a martyr, and we've that has spurred societal change, hopefully for the better. Right. Not guaranteeing right. it well, well, but let, let's hope. Is, I mean, I, I'm still not convinced that this isn't going to go the way of most of these things and peter out like occupy wall street yeah 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 we'll see who knows who knows it's going to be very interesting when you know as the trend is happening the virus comes roaring back which it's going to happen in the next few weeks to months yeah um and then you know that will be the story of the day again and it might people might be forgetting about this stuff i don't know we'll see so a friend of mine friend of mine posted a a thing on facebook i just got to see if i can find it here it was about about that exact thing where um Oh, it was comparing some states to to Canada um, in terms of infections, right? And um, what was it? It was like like Texas was really high. Yep, Texas is coming up. Yep, um, few like a few places are really high. Whereas like in, in where we're here, we're practicing you know safe whatever. Yep, um, safe distancing and that kind of stuff. And and some places where they've they've just sort of thrown the rules out the window. Like Brazil, apparently.
apparently is like going is is worse than the UK now apparently right yeah, so yeah. but that could be also a third world first world thing too right um, no I think a lot of it is Brazil has the same kind of uh, leader leader that we have mm-hmm. and you know it's it's all about reality yeah. you know it's it reality is is uh, is not yeah. what it used to be mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know when people stop believing in truth and facts then a sci- what a scientist or a doctor says you know people stop people get used to not believing that and just believing what they believe right. and and yeah that's a bad trend but we're deep in it right now oh here it is florida you know yeah. uh, this is like uh 2700 new cases and the population is yeah. like yeah it's comparing population arizona is really high and they're, yep. they're even smaller than ontario in terms of population yeah wow yeah and it's pretty much all red states with i was with gonna the, say the, he didn't name a blue state yet <laughs> well with the bizarre exception of california mm-hmm. um but not northern california southern california which is much more red orange county is yeah i saw an, i saw another chart actually now that you say that um somebody i forget where i saw this one but it was like i think michigan and new york were the only two states that were relatively managed and the rest of the country was like you know well, i think new jersey is good too but, you yeah. know all the new england states because they got hit really hard or n- not just doing that but the northeast because they got hit so hard i think they've been mm-hmm. controlling it a little better and you know it's the places that didn't get hit really badly in the first phase i don't want to call it first wave because it's you know it's yeah it's still the first wave but the yeah. first phase of it the people who didn't get hurt badly and thought they were immune to it those are the ones that are going to get hit really hard next right right yeah anyway i gotta go let a dog out because he's about to bust a kidney here so, right. so i guess right. we'll we'll call it, it and say, until next time take okay, good notes yeah, on, on monday yep What's that? take good notes on monday we'll have definitely lots to talk monday. about oh yeah, yeah it's next sure. monday isn't it wow. it is yeah it's coming up yeah yeah yeah, yeah i'm, I'm off cool. next week i took the week off to sort of catch up on it and pay attention as much as i want mm-hmm. yeah i'm not but oh well all okay. right yeah all right talk to you later talk to you later Take bye. Care. Bye. 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 even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. WarbyParker.com slash covered.